Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Intuitive Catalyst podcast. I'm Leilani, your host, and today we are joined with the brilliant Jenny Romancic. Jenny is the founder and lead facilitator at the EQ School, where she helps people develop their emotional intelligence through live workshops and online courses. A former educator and strategist with two master's degrees, Jenny combines her extensive leadership background, experience with healing her own relational wounds, and favorite personal development tools to help each of her workshop participants improve their relationships to themselves and the world around them. Now, this topic is near and dear to my heart, y'all. I used to teach emotional intelligence at the university level, and when I say it changed my life, I am not saying that in a hyperbolic way. When I first went through the emotional intelligence course at Seattle U, it was perhaps the first time in my entire life that I truly gave myself permission and space to take a look at my emotions and how they impact my behaviors and my patterns within my relationships. It was actually a catalyst for me to start going to therapy. And I'm so grateful for that. So that was over a decade ago. And the skills that I acquired in that class, and I actually ended up helping teach it for several years, they're tools that I continue to utilize in my work with my clients, but also in my relationships, including my relationship with my son. And so I was super excited when Jenny said yes to coming on the show. I cannot wait for you all to hear this episode, to hear her wisdom, to hear about the ways that EQ has affected her life. I talk a little bit about mine as well and the role that EQ will play in helping us change the world for the better. So it is time to grab your tennis shoes if you're going for your walk or grab your cozy spot and enjoy this episode with my good friend, Jenny Romancic. Hi, Jenny. Welcome to the show. I'm so glad you're here. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so fangirling. I got, I've been getting so lucky lately with reaching out to like my idols on IG and like, Hey, would you be on my podcast? And you were like so quick to say yes. And I love you for that. So thank you for being here. Well, thank you. I'm, I'm very happy to be here. I, yeah, I, I don't know. I just felt like it would be a good fit. So I would love to just chat with you a bit. I'm so grateful. So I mean, the first question I always ask, and this is, it's kind of a big one, but who are you? What is your big work in the world? And how do you source from your intuition to do that work? Okay, you might have to um, remind me of some of those, but I'm, my name is Jenny Romantic. I live in Portland, Oregon, and um, it's been kind of a long path to get to the place where I am now. I I'm one of those people who has kind of like this spaghetti plate career path that only Same. now in the in the place where I am, I can look back and see the red thread through it all. So, you know, I started as a high school English teacher, a master's in literature. So I've always been a big reader and writer. Um, and I did a little bit of tech and I actually went to a design school in Sweden um, where I was, it was supposed to be learning about art direction, but there was so much in that program that was actually like to be a good designer, to be a good creative, you have to know yourself and kind of understand the lens that you bring to different projects. And you have to be able to work with people who are really different from you 
So they always encouraged us to work with the people you couldn't stand because that's where like when you can work through your differences, where you will be able to be the most creative and and curious and will find the most innovative solutions for things going forward. So they would every two weeks, they would bring in an outside mediator who would help like poke our little teams and until the conflict arose and then they would give us tools to work through it. And I felt like I grew more as like a person in that one year than in like the rest of the personal development work and stuff that I had done like combined. Cause it was like, I was given tools. I was given like support. I, I felt really seen. I was able to be myself, even though it felt really scary. And um, so coming out of that program, I felt like, wow, like these are all not like rocket science type things. <laughs> I feel like I could help them and share them with more people. So that was part of where the EQ school was born was, wanting to provide opportunities and space for people to have more conversations about self-awareness and to give them tools for emotional self-management tools for being in conflict with other people, recognizing that conflict is actually like a really important and helpful part of our relationships. It like, can, it can really help us know ourselves and like deepen our, our trust with other people when we can figure out how to navigate it. So that's, that's like my professional piece. And then the other piece is like, I grew up in a family that was not good at any of those things. Um, my parents got pregnant very young and had three children. And I think my dad was like an und undiagnosed personality disorder. So there was a lot of, you know, completely being present. Everyone was, was everyone was, everything was centered around his feelings. And so, you know, as a child in that environment, then that means I didn't get enough to figure out like how to, how to emotionally regulate and how to find myself in the world. So as an adult, I've been working on that for a long time. So um, that's also part of where I am now is I feel like I've done a lot of work over the last couple of decades and I have a lot of tools. And so um, we just can see more and more the need for more places other than just therapy for people to get together with others, to connect, to talk about feelings. Um, and so that's part of what I wanted to create is just more opportunity for us to, to do that. So I'm not sure if that answers those. That <laughs> those answered. Questions. Yes, it did. And it's so interesting to me because as I mentioned to you in, in the email that I sent to you, I, I was an emotional intelligence instructor at Seattle. So I'm in Seattle area. Um, and I did that for a number of years and I felt really called to it. And I, it felt like such an important piece of work in terms of us moving forward as a collective, as a human collective. But what's striking to me about your story is that I, me too, <laughs> me too. Mm -hmm. I came from a family where we didn't really have the tools or the skills to navigate conflict, specifically conflict in a, in a way that was generative, as, as you mentioned in your program, we, we didn't have that. And so it's interesting to me that those of us who are really called to that kind of work, a lot of times, and the people that I saw that did it very well were people like us who came from a place of like, there's got to be something better than this, than what I've experienced. And then we're just a bunch of tiny children and adult bodies trying to figure it out. I mean, so many of us have that story. It, even those who aren't necessarily called to EQ work, it's like we all are just little kids trying to figure it out. And what are the tools that can bring us to that place of connection and resolution and understanding, right? 
Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, for the people who come to my workshops and we talk about things, it's also like so many people will never choose also to, to actually help that child, their own inner child, figure out what they need and to, to figure out how to show up in the world um, using different tools or new patterns. So yeah, making it more, you know, a bit more ubiquitous, putting it out everywhere, I think will be beneficial to us normalizing the, the, these types of tools and, and it feels important too for people who maybe are a little scared. I'll just say scared of going to therapy, right? It's like, okay, therapy feels like a big step. Like that's still so stigmatized, which I don't buy into at all, but, but that's just where we are in our world. And perhaps the EQ school is a place where it's kind of a stepping stone to their, I mean, it was for me, I took emotional intelligence in my grad program. And I was like, oh, shit, I need therapy, right? Like, it was like, it was this giant awakening for me. So it sounds also a way to make it really accessible for people who aren't at a place yet that that's, that that's a realization. So the other, the other question is, what role does your intuition play in all of this? Well, I mean, I think a lot of it has been learning how to even connect with it again, because I think that's, and that's, you know, getting into everything that I've learned about psychology and child development and everything is like so much of growing up in the type of environment that I grew up in was like, you had to disconnect from your intuition in order to make the, your own environment livable, you know, in order to Mm. be seen and loved, you had to disconnect from who you were. And so I know, I mean, part of one of my stories is like, I remember at a young age, I mean, I was like 16 or 17 being like, and it's funny that this was like a pivotal moment for me, but recognizing like, I don't know if I'm a dog person or a cat person, because so much of my early life was just completely external. It was just like living to be a good girl and living to like, I played sports and I, you know, did really well in school and I did all of these things and I just really wanted to be liked. But it, it was just funny that that, <laughs> that question when someone posed it to me was the question that I was like, I have no idea. How do you, how does anyone know that? <laughs> and it was like, Oh, I need to figure out how do how do I connect back with myself, and that has been a long journey. Um, and yeah, I I don't know where along the way, but I think definitely it's been slowly like reconnecting and listening to my yeah, I guess to my intuition, to myself, to my gut impulses, which I feel like are always pretty spot on, even if things don't go super well right off the bat. Um, they don't lead me astray, and that's where I'm at a place in my life now where um, I mean, especially in like the last year, (laughs) I've spent a lot more time alone in a good way, but in a, like, I just, it's really hard for me to, to do things that I don't really want to do. Whereas my whole life used to be doing everything, what I I thought I should be doing that I should be doing. So um, intuition is a huge part of my work. And that's a huge part of, especially my self-awareness workshop is holding space for people to reconnect with that part of themselves because it's like that doesn't lead you wrong and that's how you build confidence and that's how you um that's how you find your people and your place in the world is by listening to to what feels good to you and what feels grounding and what feels like you know where you're supposed to be Mm, I it's I'm so excited to like have another EQ nerd (laughs) on with me because as I think of like the importance of self-awareness, well, before we get into all of that, for those who are like, what is emotional intelligence? Like, what would you, how do you define it? And why does it matter? Why does it matter here in the state of our world? 
Well, I'll start with it matters in the state of our world because humans are inherently emotional beings. We experience the world through our emotions. So this is the funny thing, and I say this in all my workshops, this is the funny thing about living in such a logical, rational society is that like we are inherently emotional. We experience the world through our like uh, limbic system first. We feel something and then it will move through our prefrontal cortex and we rationalize why we feel that way. And so it's like when everything is, uh, even the people who live the most like logical, rational lives it's like they do that because it makes them feel safe <laughs> they do that because it makes them feel like they have stability and whatever so that's why i think it's so important that we start recognizing the role of our emotions um because they drive everything i mean people who have had like traumatic brain injuries that really severely impact the emotional part of their brain literally cannot make decisions because every we decision we make has an emotional aspect to it so it's like we don't we have to give them <laughs> we have to recognize the importance of our emotional life um and then also like the more we repress emotions the more like there's just so much there's so much information out there now about how when we're repressing our emotions they stay stored in our bodies and they can cause illness it can cause all kinds of different things so yeah getting in touch with our emotions and being able to to learn what they're trying to tell us about our needs is just so important um and then what is emotional intelligence? Um, well, I tend to start by talking about it through, I use kind of the definition used by Daniel Goleman, who is the psychologist who popularized the term in like the mid nineties. And more than a definition, I talk about just like the four areas of emotional intelligence, which are self-awareness, uh, emotional self-management, um, social awareness and relationship management. So, you know, it's our, Self-awareness is being able to kind of put space between who we are and how we feel and like be aware of all of our, our needs, our, uh, what's going on within us emotionally, being aware of how our past affect our, our present. Emotional self-management is figuring out how do we deal with that? What do we do with all of those things? How do we make decisions that help us stay more regulated? How do we adapt when we encounter difficult things? Social awareness is, you know, being aware of all the rules and all the things that um, they come along with being in different groups and communities of people like what are the the norms that allow us to stay connected to others so being present to all of that and then relationship management I like to say is basically basically like how do I take all of my shit and put it with someone else's shit because we all have bringing all of this with us <laughs> everywhere so and none of it is clean or clear so how do I take responsibility for my self-awareness my emotional self-management the rules and norms that I'm abiding by and how do I bring it to yours? So meet yours. Easier said than done. All of it. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. I mean, what I, what I hear you saying in terms of like your intuition, it really helped you hone in on the self-awareness piece. And so what would you tell someone who's like, I'm just starting to connect with my intuition. I don't know if I'm a dog or a cat person. Like what, what do you tell them? What, what's their, what's their first step? Well, first step I think is like, it kind of, it's kind of interesting because it would really more depend on like when someone comes to me, they usually have something that they're like, you know, it's a relationship that they're in. It's, there's something going on. They've just had a loss and they're trying to, to navigate it in some ways. So we usually like have something that we're kind of working around, but 
Um, usually I, it's like connecting back to your own energy and your own body first and, and noticing I, I, in one of my workshops, I will have people do uh, an exercise around how do you respond to the world? Like in a week, pay attention to what gives you energy and what takes it away. Start developing that connection to your own intuition, to noticing like when I'm around these types of people, I feel really excited and happy when I'm around those types of people. Like I really shrink and I go inside or, you know, when I, take my shower in the morning like I just love that having that time to myself and feeling the water run over my body and just like paying attention to um, how you respond to the world and so just starting to connect with that and to notice with no judgment but just being present in like what's there for you is where I have people start usually I love that um and it feels so simple to say okay what is my energy telling me in this moment you know if I'm like binging Grey's Anatomy, which I have been, if you're curious, um, <laughs> like what my energy is like, it, it's just such a downer. It's, it's like one of the, you know what I mean? But it's like, what is my energy doing in this moment? And how am I, how am I supporting, like improving that energetic state? I think it's such an easy, not easy, maybe not easy, but it's such, um, it's a simple access point for beginning to to understand our intuition so yeah yeah and I say it's like looking under the hood in a way like developing self-awareness is like is like you don't have to do anything (laughs) just notice because that's also we also talk about the four stages of learning the four stages of how we learn anything and you know the first couple stages really are about like just noticing for a while because you have to notice for a while before you can actually gain the motivation to do anything about it and so a lot of people will beat themselves up and it's like, that's actually kind of a normal stage. That's, that is a very normal stage of like, of learning anything is like being present and just kind of paying attention for a while. So like sitting on the couch and like, after a while, you're like, ah, I noticed that this doesn't feel great. Okay, maybe I'll do something else differently this time. And that's in this energy exercise. Oftentimes when people come back afterward and we share like what we've learned, it's not like, you know, huge, enormous life changing things that make really big differences. So like one guy who was just like, you know, in doing this exercise, I realized that like, while I really hate doing my laundry, I feel so good (laughs) after it's all folded and put away. And he was like, now just having that information and being like, I don't want to do this. But like, I'm more present to the fact that it feels so good. Once I've done this thing, it actually makes me more want to do it because I want that feeling. I want that feeling that feels good after I've finished. So even just paying attention to like noticing how things make you feel and being more present to that helps us make different choices going forward, but they don't have to be huge things that change right. in the beginning. It, it makes me think of neuroplasticity also because our brains are constantly changing And I remember reading somewhere, I wish I could remember where, but it's like, once we actually have the awareness, our brain is already changing and and like creating pathways around that. So if we're aware of a thing, like if I said a really hard truth that I just became aware of, my brain is already, and my emotional, I'm sure emotional regulation system is like already making changes, already saying, okay, well, this is, I want more of this or I want less of that. And so it's awareness itself. Like sometimes it can feel kind of like, Oh, it's just, what do I do with that? If I'm just staring at it and like not judging it or whatever, but we have to understand that as, as very, very complex, deeply feeling beings, like our bodies, our spirits, our brains are actually the science of it is that it's already changing just with that simple awareness. And I think that that's why it's so important to start with awareness. 
mm-hmm. I would assume. Yeah. Well, and, and I mean, I love it because I taught high school English and I taught in an, at an international school, a dual language school in Germany for a year. And what I love, one of the things that was really cool, I was teaching like middle high school, but our, in our elementary school, it was like from first to fifth grade, they taught they had half their classes in English and half their classes in German. And so in the, in our dual language continuum, the whole thing was like, when you're learning a new language, the first like three months are just like listening to it. It's just like being present to it and kind of just being around it. And like you said, things are happening, things are changing. And when I moved to Germany, I had never like really been exposed to it all. So for me as a teacher in that space too, I felt like that too. In the beginning, it was just like, blah, 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 blah. And then it like, eventually I noticed, even though I didn't really know much, I could hear I could finally hear different sounds and I could hear different words and different things happening. So like there was a lot happening in my brain. <laughs> um, There's a lot that I was taking in, even though I wasn't conscious of it. So that big piece is just like being present and allowing yourself to be in that space, which many of us struggle with too. There's like often a lot of shame, a lot of judgment. We don't know how to do this where you start to see something that you don't like, you know, behavior of yours that you don't like. And then there's this immediate self judgment around doing it. And it's like, that's one thing we try to work a lot on in my workshops too, is like, we have these behaviors for a reason. We do what we do for a reason. We've learned these, like they meet a need for us in some way, shape or form. So noticing it, trying to like, instead of immediately judging yourself, just get curious about like, huh, I wonder why I do that. Or, huh, I wonder why that is, um, will help us also in that process. So a lot of the work that I do is actually supporting people to, become more attuned to their intuition and the ways that their spiritual gifts come through. And there's just so much relevancy like between the things that you're saying and and the ways that I support folks. So um so many times as as I'm just supporting people and and discovering their gifts, they will come up with this like behavior that's not serving them and standing in their authenticity, standing in their in their spiritual wholeness. And I think that what has come through so many times as I've supported those folks is, and this is when I say come through, I just mean like spiritually, like I'm always guided by their, their spiritual support team. And so many times it's like, we, I've been able to support them in understanding that this behavior kept you safe at some, at some point in your life. Like I, we just discuss that we're both recovering people pleasers. At one point that kept us very, very safe. And it's easy for me to sit in criticism and judgment of that, that behavior and like, oh, I just, I'm always losing myself and I'm, I'm always like conceding to what other people need. Well, at one point, like I truly, I, for my physical and emotional safety, I needed that. So how can we sit in compassion for these behaviors that we have cultivated over very a very long time how can we sit with compassion and actually what i've noticed in in releasing those behaviors a lot of times we in, instead of trying to fight it we have to actually embrace it and say how how has this served me how how can i thank this behavior for keeping me safe and what would it take for me to let it go mm-hmm. um which is a, such a different frame than this kind of toxic self-improvement culture that we can sometimes be in. Um, even within EQ, I feel like it's like you are trying to be the most EQ. You're trying to be the most, like the best at self-management and, and relationship management and all that. But at the end of the day, it's really about 
who am I today? Who have I become? Why have I become that? And how can I make choices that actually are more aligned with who I am on a soul level? Right? Yeah, definitely. I know. I mean, I definitely struggle with the perfectionism and wanting to be the best thing too. But I also am like getting, you know, it's, there's no, there is no best. There is no, like, no. um, there's no finish line here. There's no place where you get there and you figure it out. I ended up someone take one of my classes once and was like, I'm still having like big things come up. And I'm like, yeah, good, <laughs> we'll, good. You're human. We'll have big things come up. It's like their goal is not to not feel, I, you know, our goal is right. to like be present to those feelings and to mm-hmm. like, just be aware of like how we're responding to those feelings. Um, not to yeah. mention that we all, as you mentioned, like relationship management, it's like, we're all coming in with our shit. So even mm-hmm. if I am the best, if I'm the highest EQ guru in my family, <laughs> like my family of origin, I'm still, you know what I mean? Like it, I'm still meeting people where they are. We're always meeting each other where we are, which yeah. begs the question. I mean, as I think of our human collective and just the shit show. I'm just going to call it. It's, it's kind of a shit, especially in the States and the U S. Um, so what, what do you feel as, as you're navigating that in, in the work that you're doing? Like, tell us, tell us what, what you're doing, how, what do we need to know? Like, can you give us some comfort <laughs> about where we are? Okay. Well, I'll start this by saying how much to share. I used to be like such a I don't know if I want to go into politics at all, but like such a social justice warrior. And I still very much like I have my values. I have the things that I think are really important. But what I see now so much is on both sides of like the political political spectrum. So much just staunch. I'm right. You are wrong. Like if you don't, if you're not with me, you're against me. There's just like so much of that, that, I mean, what I've been thinking for a while is like, oh, well, the next big leader is really going to be someone who figures out how to bridge that gap some way, Um, which I don't know if that's actually true, because this is such internal and personal work. Um, But what I I think the hope that I have is like, I think the more self-aware we become and the better that we can see like oh I have these reactions because of my lived experience or I hold on to my beliefs so dearly because um because of my lived experience and because like this this matters to me and makes me feel connected and safe for this reason then hopefully we get better at seeing like why the people who are so different for us they have real lived reasons for why they believe what they believe like they feel safe and held by a community that isn't cashing them out and that's part of why they will you know, stick with that community and stick with whatever's being said there. So I don't, I don't know. I think the the hope is just like, cause I also hear a lot of people like, if I'm not fighting, then the world's going to go to hell. And I'm like, I just don't believe that. I think that that's kind of looking backward in time. I think if we're looking forward in time, we have to use different strategies. And I think the different strategies we're learning so much about how important regulating our nervous systems, you know, how important that is and learning about the impact of trauma. Like we have to stop traumatizing each other and we have to like learn how to hold space for ourselves. And then we're going to get better at holding space for each other. I don't know what that looks like on a big scale, <laughs> but all I know is that like telling everyone why they're so wrong is never going to have anybody listen to you. They're not going to see your perspective from that uh, way of approaching it. Shaming and blaming is never going to get us out of the mess that we found ourselves in. I feel like this, like that feels really old, like an old way, old earth way of thinking, right? Yeah. And 
So what I hear you saying is it's not about not believing in something, but it's about being able to hold both. Right. Mm-hmm. It's about being able to hold space or for just being curious too. Right. Like just a tiny, like I see a door that's like slammed shut. And then just like, can you just kind of barely appear? Oh, you know, like open it to peer out to entertain the idea that maybe there's something you're missing. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, how does EQ, how do we do that through EQ? What does that look like? Well, I mean, EQ is the self-awareness piece is the like paying attention to, I mean, a lot of it is like putting space between who we are and how we, how we feel and how we behave. And so like who I am at my core, I am good. I am whole. I am worthy of love. I am loving. I have all of these things. And sometimes I don't behave that way. (laughs) And, and being able to give myself compassionate and then compassion for that and then approach it with curiosity of like, huh, why did I do that? what's the need beneath that why did it react that way can help us then figure out because our emotions are alerting alerting us to our needs so in the same way that like hunger lets us know when we're hungry and you know being thirsty lets us know that our body needs water or else we're going to die like our emotions exist to let us know what our needs are to help keep, keep us connected to other human beings so that we don't die like it's a biological like it, it, it just helps us stay alive as human beings. So that's why they're so important. So underneath our feelings are needs. So, I mean, r- for me personally in this moment, like anger has been come back up <laughs> and it's like, for me, it's really protective. It's like, it's a, it's a way to hold space for my authenticity and for a space, a way to hold space for, you know, what's dear and important to me that I haven't given space to. So I'll notice sometimes that I'm like, wow, I don't know why I was mad about that. Oh, but it's because I'm trying to protect and hold space for it. So instead of getting frustrated with myself for being angry, it's just like noticing what's underneath it and being able to be present to that. So I think EQ helps us. Uh, it just, it's helping us have compassion for ourselves, which then once we're, we're getting better at doing that for ourselves, we can extend that compassion to other people and then it can help us find a lot more commonality um, and also respect differences. Cause that's one of the beauty, beautiful things too, about being around people who are really different from you is that it can help you understand yourself better. Um, mm-hmm. Doesn't mean that either of you are wrong. It just means like, Oh, like you don't value that. I noticed I had a reaction to it. That shows that I do really value that. Okay. That's just good information for me to have. Maybe we don't engage over that thing <laughs> or whatever. I find someone else to support me in that way, but just, you know, being able to, to recognize like, huh, what's underneath that emotion for me instead of immediately making someone else wrong for being different than me. Mm. It takes a lot of work though. Yeah. And it's interesting too, because it makes me wonder if with specific emotions, if there's kind of like um, a common human experience in terms of the need that's beneath that emotion, you know? So as you discuss, like, as you talk about anger, it's, it's, I, I want to say I heard, I can't remember who had said this, but it was somebody who had done a lot of EQ kind of that that was a big part of their work. Um, but the anger is signaling a, um, a violation of boundaries or like, I feel, you know, like, you know, that this person has encroached on, on my boundaries or something that I, I believe deeply in. Um, and then I think of like joy, it's like, what does joy signal? Well, 
as you were talking about intuition and connecting with energy, it's like joy is like, I'm where I'm meant to be, right? That this, that this feels good to me, that this behavior, that this interaction, the way that I'm connecting. Um, yeah. So I love that frame of, and maybe it's not common. Maybe there's not a common way that we can all connect around different emotions because we all do have different experiences. But I think what I'm hearing you say is that there's always a deeper need beneath beneath the emotions. And if we're not able to access the emotions, which I, when I was helping teach EQ dealt with like a lot of very logical, you know, there were a lot of engineers in the program and for a lot of them, it was like, I just don't feel, and I'm, you know, we know better than that. that. Yeah. Yeah. We're very skeptical of that. And so really accessing the emotion first and you know, and so and our coping mechanisms are, I mean, totally. they do their job. They do their job. Like they, again, right. with what you said earlier about like they, many of our behaviors kept us alive. And it's like, mm-hmm. if it wasn't safe for you to feel, you didn't, you know, you put right. that away, you put it somewhere, but it's still there somewhere. Exactly. Harder to access. Yeah. And scary to access because it meant, oh, well, I'm going to be cast out. Oh my gosh. And that, that is the truth. I feel like the reasons why we push away our feelings or don't access them or, I mean, everything comes back to belonging, right? So if we, if we feel like we're going to lose a sense of belonging or we'll no longer belong, we're going to do our body, our minds are, are conditioned to do whatever they can to belong. So what would you, yeah. Oh, go ahead. No, please. I was just going to say, I've also, I took a class earlier this year and I've been learning a lot about like human systems and family systems work. And um, in, in family systems, like a child will give up their needs to maintain connection. So they will give up their authenticity. They will distance themselves from who they actually are and what they need. Because as you said, the connection to the parent is life or death because they, you know, they keep us alive. So there is so much of, of, of that in our world too, that we stay, we disconnect ourselves from, uh, we will fill whatever gap is needed in the family at the expense of our own needs in order to, to keep the system going. And so there's so much of that in the world as well. It actually makes me a little sad because I just think of all of these tiny humans and all of the adults who have tiny humans within them that were never cared for, you know, um, especially as I think of, the work that I do and just spirituality in general and breaking generational cycles and connecting with ancestors. And there's, there's just so much there. There's a lot that is not in our favor (laughs) at this particular point in human history. I feel like, um, which is why I think it's all coming down. I don't think it's a coincidence that the work that you do is so, well-received and that people are really looking for that kind of guidance back to themselves to remember who they are as an individual on a soul level, perhaps. And, but I, I will yeah. say, mm-hmm. um, I don't know if you've read, I can, people in my classes know I recommend this book all the time, but adult children of emotionally immature parents by Laura C. Gibson she there's something that she says in that book where she talks about a great a breakdown essentially just being a breakdown of our coping mechanisms and because they're they're just not working anymore so we have to begin to let them go but it feels so incredibly painful because we have to actually start to be authentic and show up and we don't know how to do that 
So it's a really, really difficult place to be in. But I, I would say that that's similar, like where we are in society at this moment. It's like we're seeing that all these different masks and all these different, you know, ways of trying to be perfect or whatever, they're not working. And so we're trying all kinds of different stuff. And it's a big old mess right now. So I actually feel like it's a good thing. <laughs> because I feel like it shows hope. Um, and my own baggage that I bring to it is like, I'm so resistant to bureaucracy. <laughs> and like, I'm so like, <laughs> questioning the ways that like, everybody wants me to do things. I'm in a space of like, I still want to figure out how to do this on my own. Because um, I think it's important. I didn't get that stage of my, it's like my own arrest and development showing up now is like, I didn't get that stage to really explore and try and fail. Um, so I'm in a space where I'm doing that now. But I think there's a lot of people in that space too. So because we don't feel like we can trust the people who are in charge. Oh my gosh. It necessarily. Yeah, it's true. Everything that you're saying though, also in terms of the state of the world that we're in, it is actually really hopeful because I, I guess I would feel more afraid if it felt like things weren't changing and shifting. Like there's the world as it stands, it's not sustainable. And I think that's a really good thing. It means that we are moved to, we can't stay in the center anymore. We can't, we have to really begin to figure out how to how to move forward as as a collective and there there's just really no option so mm -hmm. thank you for that because it's so important to to also see the hope in in the moment because it's so easy to lose hope with a lot of the shit that we're seeing right yeah and that's also the part of i think i wrote about this in the last day or so is like the last couple of days is like in order to to be more okay with change and what we don't know is coming, we have to have a more grounded center. Um, mm. And that's, that again, harkens back to childhood is like, you know, as, as toddlers, we were out exploring in the world. And if we could come back to a parent who could mirror to us and hold space for us and help us, right? Like if they were regulated, then they provided a regulated space for us to go out and then come back to, then we internalized that and we grew up to have a safe internal space. And so we would feel more comfortable going out and trying bigger and harder things and recognizing, okay, I can come back to myself and be okay, even if it doesn't go well. And I think that that's a big part of, and it's funny, because I, I had a lot of healing work into developing <laughs> development of EQ. But I think a lot of especially self awareness work is starting to figure out an emotional self management work is like, how do I create that space within myself to come back to that is grounded and safe, so that I can be more open to trying bigger and different, you know, more open minded things. Um, I can be more curious about the world because I am safe in here because when we're not as safe in here. Like that's where we like constrict, constrict, constrict. And it gets much scarier to go out and try or be open to different ways of doing things. Which is so hard for those of us like you and I who have been so externally focused, right? It's like trying to find our footing and grounding in like the people around us. And what I think is really interesting that the universe has kind of changed that for me is that a lot of the people who were my safe place have kind of started to fall away. And mm -hmm. so it's like, okay, so there's just no option. I have to find that safety within myself because like, damn it, damn it. Right. It's and, and what a blessing it is to be able to, to have the universe so deeply in my corner of me truly finding that safety within myself like yeah well and to your point because I do say myself but I also it is a spiritual thing as well it's that trusting that it, it isn't just me but it is 
it is also, I think, a greater spiritual thing and to trust that you are held both inside yourself and by the universe. But Mm. that's a harder, if you didn't get that when you were really small, you have to, you have to learn that. And it's, it's hard and takes practice and it will take some like stepping out over edges and realizing that it's still going to be okay. Not easy. (laughs) I say a lot of stuff and a lot of people will be like, yeah, but that's hard. And I'm like, yeah, it is like none of this is easy. Really not not. It is hard, um, but it is worth it. That's what mm. I will say. Oh my gosh, Jenny, you are such a gift. Tell us a little bit about um, a little bit about your. I, I feel called to hear a little bit about your workshops before before I have my my last couple of questions. Yeah. Um, right now, I have three main workshops that I teach. So I have the self-awareness workshop, which actually it's, I'm actually going to be contributing a few chapters to a book that's coming out soon on shame. So I've been doing a lot of work. So I actually just added a week of about shame into that workshop because it's, it's just fascinating how it is literally everywhere and it impacts us so deeply, but we don't talk about it as much. Um, And it will drive our behavior if we don't really look at it. Absolutely. Um, but self, the self-awareness workshop is, as I mentioned before, it's a lot of like taking inventory of like what's there, what are your preferences? We look at your values, we look at your triggers and how and where they show up. We start looking at, into some of your blind spots, which I mean, I'll give it away here a little bit, is like when I ask people about blind spots, they're usually like start to ramble all the things that they know are wrong with themselves and I'm like no no we have just as many as many blind spots around like our beauty and our talents and our strengths and so it's actually looking at some of those things Mm. that we might not always be present to because it's like we all you know we tend to be afraid that everyone sees what's wrong with us but also like a lot of people are seeing beauty in us that they're not telling us either so we have some exercises around how do we figure that out and then we also look at boundaries which I also frame boundaries a little bit differently. You know, I mean, they can be the hard line in the sand that, you know, keeps us safe and whatever. But I think of boundaries more so as the container that holds space for what we need to feel healthy and happy and grounded. And so, you know, they're more of the like the guidelines for people to be in relationship with us. Because you can't have good boundaries if you don't know what lives within that container. So it's about, again, developing self-awareness around what do I need? I, I can't remember who said this and I'm probably going to butcher it, but the boundaries are the place where I can love you and love myself at the same time. Mm-hmm. But, so it's boundaries are, I, I feel like boundaries get a bad rap because yeah. it's, it's like we're shutting somebody out, but really it's, it's where I can also love myself and be in connection with you. Right. Yeah. I think walls are more of the keeping people out boundaries right. are more of like, here's the guidelines for how to come in. Um, which makes them vulnerable. But then uh, I have my let it go workshop, which is the emotional self-management workshop. So that one is like, we look at the stories, we look at our emotional patterns, we just start to take inventory. There's a lot of self-awareness work in that. Um, And then learning tools for some tools for emotional self-regulation and being present to your feelings. And a lot of it is getting out of our head, using our stories as a signal that it's time to come back to the body because we all tend to try to figure out what's exactly happening. And that has its place, but it has too big of a place right now. So we need to also figure out how to balance it with how do I actually feel the energy behind the feeling? Because then it can move. Mm. If we don't ever allow ourselves to feel it, it's going to keep, it'll it'll live on. And then I have a relationship management workshop, which is all about 
um, tools for communication, tools for holding space for others, tools for how do you both give feedback effectively and how do you receive it, which is something I don't feel like I hear people talk about very often. Um, and then we, we do work around looking at conflict, looking at what are like some of the signs and signals that we might be in conflict, because we all have them, but we may not be self-aware of um, what they are. Um, yeah, and negotiation of needs in conflict as well. So that workshop. And then uh, I have I have a, a friend on the East Coast. She and I are going to be putting on a six-week workshop on attachment styles. Um, she's a clinical psychologist and is really, really deeply into attachment work. So that will be coming out soon as well. Oh my gosh. I'm so excited. <laughs> I'm so excited mm -hmm. for all of the work you're doing. Uh, I'm so grateful that you're doing it. And if you are listening and any of those piqued your interest or you felt your energy connect with any, I, I really recommend that you go and sign up. The, the last question that I, second to last, I should say, the last question that I ask everybody is, what is your bumper sticker? So if you had one tiny nugget of advice you could put all over the world, what would it be? Oh, hmm. maybe just breathe. <laughs> I felt, I actually heard, I heard breathe. <laughs> When, so your yeah. grandmother is loud. <laughs> yeah. Your grandmother that's talking to you. <laughs> yep. It just mm. feels like coming back to here. Coming back to here. The easiest way to say that. Just breathe. Come back to your chest. Coming back to center. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. Well, Jenny, tell us how we can all find you. Where are you? How can we connect with you? Yeah. The, uh, on Instagram, I am at the EQ school is the best way to find me. Um, and my website is the EQ school.co, not.com. So those are the best ways to find me and connect with me. Jenny, thank you so much for being here. And thank you for the work that you're doing in this world. You're so needed. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. This has been really lovely to connect. Yes, I'm so grateful. Thanks. Oh, friends, thank you so much for being here for this conversation with Jenny. As I reflect on the episode and think about the things that are sticking out for me, I think the biggest takeaway and perhaps a call to action that I think is coming through in this moment is really creating space for us to begin to be really intentional about the ways that we are interacting with our emotions and the ways that our emotions are showing up in our relationships and our work. Because at the end of the day, we are affected by our emotions, whether or not we are taking the time to evaluate them, to give space to them, perhaps to express them, to speak our truth. And in this moment, the question that's coming forward is how are you honoring your emotions in service of allowing them to be a really integrated part of your experience and 
from what I know and speaking with Jenny and connecting with her and the content that she puts out into the world, I know that she has some incredible tools and workshops that would support you if that's something that you're looking for. So I'm so grateful that she was able to join us, that she was able to share her story. I'm grateful to have shared mine. If you want to connect with Jenny, you can find all of her information in the show notes. If you'd like to connect with me, you can find my information there as well. And as always, I want to remind you to join me on the first Thursday of every month for my free workshop for Earth Angels. You can go to my website, shamanleilani.com workshops, or click the link in the show notes to sign up for that. I would love to connect with you. I would love to meet you and to have these conversations real time. But for now, be still my friends and live into your impact. I am so grateful you're here and I'll talk with you soon.